Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rancid Taco Movie Review Podcast. I'm Skylar Sanders, here with the cuckoo who pushed me out of the nest at a young age, Mason Weir. It's always better to be the pusher than the pushy. And tonight, we are reviewing Vivarium. (laughs) Or or is it Vivarium? (laughs) I think it's Vivarium. Okay. Vivarium. <laughs> v- vivarium. It could be Vivarium. Vivarium. I, I, I want to say it's Spanish, like live, you know. Vivarium. Vivar. All right. Okay. Anyway, the name of the movie is called Some Variation of Vivarium, Vivarium, Vivarium. And it came out in 2019 and got 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and it's one of the more recent movies that we've reviewed on the podcast. It is. It's kind of new, and I'd always seen it. I'd mentioned to you that it's always up there as an as an option to watch. And I see Jesse Eisenberg's dumb face on the cover, and I just skip it every <laughs> single time. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you there. I'm not a big fan of Jesse Eisenberg, and uh, I don't even really like him much in this film. I'm going to go ahead and spoil that. I'm not a huge I'm not a huge fan of his performance in this film, but he's not horrible, and he doesn't sink the show. Yeah, he doesn't really sink the show, but he's not believable for me either. And in fact, I disliked his performance enough that I don't want to start the cast with Jesse Eisenberg. Instead, let's start the cast with the real lead, Imogen Poots. Ah, yeah, what a name. What a name. Imogen Poots. And she actually does do a good job in the movie, I think. Yeah, she does an excellent job. She's cute. And I've decided after watching this that I would like a nice, quaint English girlfriend. Is that, you keep saying she's cute. She's really not cute. She's homely. She's kind of cute. Yeah, she's cute in a homely way. It's the teeth, isn't it? I don't know. She just wears, uh, like, clothes that don't really fit her. And she just seems kind of cool. She seems interesting. I'm I'm attracted to, to people who intrigue me not just people who look sexy imogen poots was in 28 weeks later you ever seen that one Mm -mm. you've never seen 28 weeks later the zombie movie no oh it's the one that made zombies fast the og fast zombie movie oh yeah it's a good one it's it's a good fast zombies are really scary that's like uh i mean if you get fast zombies in a world that's that's crazy yeah, that was a revolutionary movie at its time that it came out. Can't believe you haven't seen that. Disappointment I, there. I can't believe it took people so long to think of fast zombies. I know they're way scarier than slow zombies. <laughs> like what? The whole time zombies were attacking, the one, the one safe haven you had was that you could always just backpedal faster than they could walk. But Imogen Poots was also in Green Room. Have you ever seen that one? No. Oh, man, you're missing out on some good ones. That was a really good one, too. Patrick Stewart was in that. It's about mm-hmm. a band, a punk band, that gets trapped at this Nazi facility. They got invited to come play there, and 
they witness a murder and so they're trapped at this facility while they try to figure out what to do with them. Mm, that sounds kind of interesting. It was well, it was a really good one. She was in something called Roadies. She's the lead in that. I've never seen that, but that sounds like a oh, cool show. You're missing out. Oh, you've seen Roadies, huh? That's a good one. That's a really good one. And finally, <laughs> I know you haven't seen Roadies. Right? I haven't so don't seen even. It, no. You've never even heard of it. Never heard of it. No. And you've also not seen this one, which I have. You should never see it. It's called Black Christmas. It's a Christmas horror movie, and it is awful. Yep. I will not. I will take your advice and not watch that. So there's Imogen Poots, kind of extensive filmography, and you've seen none of her movies or performances. None of them. This is the only thing I think I've ever seen of hers. Well, to be fair, I think she's best in this out of those ones I just named. Well, and I feel like I've heard her name before, but I've just never seen her anything. <laughs> well, I've heard the word Poots before, I guess. Well, a name like Imogen Poots, you're not going to forget it. So no. maybe I just heard it once because of this, and then I thought I remembered it. Well, my son, his middle name is just a letter, and you don't even have a middle name. But still no. yet, what were her parents thinking? <laughs> uh, that's a, Well, the last name Poots, he obviously can't do anything about, so they weren't thinking about that. But Imogen, I feel like is a, if we broke it down in Latin, uh, has something to do with maybe uh, images or pictures or something of that i feel nature. like it should be a facial cream could be could be imogen poots like clearacell by imogen oh yeah that that makes sense well we like imogen but i think it's a unanimous dislike on the other co-lead and that's jesse eisenberg jesse eisenberg always looks like he's pissed off but he also looks like he isn't gonna do anything about it right <laughs> every every single time yeah yeah that's like uh he he is the picturesque uh version of a man child he's just like, brooding and pissed but he's not going to tell you why he's pissed he's just gonna yeah, sulk around just always brooding and pissed and bit pretty much just never never actually a man about anything just kind of like a little a little underdeveloped bitch yep and some of his credits he plays a character just like that in every role it seems like in the village, he does that. The That's what network. I'm wondering. Like, is it are the are the characters like that, or is he just that person and it comes through every time? He's got a punchable face. To, <laughs> He's got a real punchable face. See. Well, you're the, right about that. I've wanted to punch him every performance I think I've seen him in. Yep. And some of those performances are Zombieland. He was in there with our buddy Matthew. Oh God, uh, Woody Harrelson. Never always, saw it. I always want to call Woody Matthew mcconaughey i don't know why they're not even close to the same guy was that a sequel to 28 days later no it's actually a comedy zombie movie and yeah, it has saw, nothing I to saw, do with the other i saw it i'm just joking yeah, i've never seen it actually it's good he was in the village with our our boy joaquin phoenix Ooh, how you he, like that that's the first time you've pronounced his name right i slowed it down on purpose for that reason he was in nice. The Social Network. He was nominated for an Academy Award for portraying Mark Zuckerberg. You think he hung out with Mark Zuckerberg to, to do that, to, to get that role down? I doubt Mark Zuckerberg would hang out with somebody for that. Take, cause, especially because the movie kind of trashed him, didn't it? I can't recall, actually. I th I'm sure it probably did a little bit. I think he hosed those identical twins. Yeah, in general, pretty much everyone just trashes Mark Zuckerberg. Well, he kind of... 
Yeah, we'll leave that alone, I guess. Even even though he created a site that most everybody in the earth uses and utilizes, but yeah. With fame comes uh, envy. Envy and jealousy or whatever it is. I don't know. But he also doesn't seem like a cool guy. He's well, got to, a punchable face, too. He does. And uh, to, to finish up Eisenberg's credits here, he was in Now You See Me and Rio. But I had some in Batman versus Superman as well. He played Lex Luthor. Oh, yeah, those were bad. But my question for you about Jesse Eisenberg is a little series of questions here. Who wins in a fight, Jesse Eisenberg or Michael Sarah? Well, Jesse Eisenberg, he's got so much more anger built up. Okay, that's I'm leaning that way too. So then who wins in the fight now, Jesse Eisenberg or Jake Gyllenhaal? Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal? And I don't know why. <laughs> just, just because he's been in boxing <laughs> yeah. movies and, and, yeah, and police movies? Because he's had sex with another cowboy. Okay, so last one then. Who wins in the fight, Jesse Eisenberg or Adam Sandler? Oh, Adam Sandler wins that for sure. You think that quickly, huh? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you're kind of right about Jesse having that inner rage, and if he if it boils over, he could really do some damage. Oh, if he let it loose. Adam Sandler's got an inner rage too, but he lets it out. You know, he's and also he'd have just a. Uh, He'd have just a, a natural edge over Jesse Eisenberg because he's the more um, senior uh, Jewish Hollywood star. Just the age alone gives him an advantage, you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, fighting is a young man's game at a certain point. You know, there yeah, is a but, point where you're too old. Yeah, but it's like, you know, you, you know how you, you can't you can never beat up your big brother. Like doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how tough you are or whatever. It's like you, you just can't beat your big brother up because they have this this uh, natural edge over you, and that's what I feel like would happen with Adam Sandler. Yeah. Well, I disagree on that one, but I'm I'm with you on the other two. I thought the last one would stump you, but you came with a hearty Adam Sandler there. So. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying your big brother would beat your ass. No, no. We wrestled once when I was 18, and he made the comment that I was strong as an ox, and he didn't want to wrestle me anymore. Yeah, because he was being nice. No, I was kicking his ass. He didn't want now, to wrestle. No, he's a way. Look, my sister made the same comment when she was 18, okay? It's just because they didn't want to actually go in and kick your ass. No, I was I was strong as an ox when I was 18, man. No one wanted to mess with me. I knew you when you were 18, and I'm pretty sure your brother could whoop your ass. No, no. <laughs> I might not have had the killer instinct to whoop his ass, but I definitely had the muscle to do it. Well, you were in better shape probably at 18. For sure. You're always talking about beating people up on this podcast. It occurred to me recently. You're always talking about, I'm going to get revenge for my hoodie, and I would slap the theater director for slapping me, and I'm going to beat this guy. You're not that tough, all right? Oh, I'm just, tough as hell. I just want to put you in your spot right now. You're not that tough. All Listen, right? I'm tough as hell. 18-year-old me eighteen year old me would have whooped 18-year-old you's asses, all right? Yeah, but you're 36, and you're still bragging about pulling jerseys over people's head and beating them up and all. Beat I'm just up. saying what I would do if I caught somebody on the street with my hoodie on. And you say 18-year-old could whoop 18-year-old me. I'm not calling that either. No way. No, no. chance. Don't be ridiculous. In a fist fight? Maybe because you've been in more fights. In a wrestling match, no chance. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd crush you in a wrestling match. Maybe in a wrestling match because I don't know. I don't know why I would even give you the edge in a wrestling match too. But let's, let, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say to you other than 
I I would have definitely whooped your ass in, at 18 years old. When I was 18, I was putting up 250 four times. There's no way you were benching that. Come on, I had pure pure brute strength over you. Dude, it's not. It wasn't. It's nothing about strength. And I. It's not even like. Don't act like you were bigger than me. We're the same height. You might be a little shorter than me. No, and I was in just as no, good shape. No, I'm not accepting Look, this slander. I played three sports a year, okay, and did theater, danced in theater after the sports. Like I was in the best shape of my life at 18 years old. Yeah, and and who knows what drug I was on at the time. So you did theater, which makes you a badass. No, I used to go straight from football practice to dancing in Greece. Like I would literally run my ass off at football practice and go dance for two more hours after that. And you know, you don't know, you don't know how uh, much cardiovascular and strength dancing takes, but it puts you in great shape. But, but you, but you, you probably would have were stronger than me. Well, we're going to resolve this one here. Next time you come down, <laughs> we're going back in time. We are going back in time and we're going to do some wrestling, some <laughs> boxing, and we're going to brawl it out. Man. Oh, I'd love it. And if you don't come down, I'm going to accept that as you being afraid of me. I've been looking for a good reason to go back in time and whoop your ass. All right. Well, it's done. <laughs> anyway, I don't know how this, this happens. But... <laughs> I don't know where we're at anymore, but I'll, I'll finish this by saying it would have been a formidable fight either way. Like, uh, you know, you might, you, it, it, we, we might be pushing, you know, we might be uh, 10 fights out of 10 fights. We might be pushing. And I will say the two of us together could probably whip the ass of a larger person than us, too. And that would oh, be Oh, yeah. Well, we also strategically brained people. You know, we just think ahead. But back to the cast. We did have some time to fill because that's basically the cast. There is. Yeah, one... we don't need to talk about anybody else, really, do we? Yes, we do. We got to talk uh, about the, the one last guy here. Martin? The best perf- yeah, Martin. Jonathan Harris <laughs> plays Martin. I love this guy. He is awesome. Yeah, he does a good job. I've seen him before in some other stuff too, but I I don't know what. But yeah, he's pretty good. He was in The Martian, The Jackal, Rogue One, Star Wars Rogue One. He was in that. So yeah, shout out to Jonathan Aris or Aris, however you say his name. Yeah. Really liked his performance as Martin, the real estate agent. He really laid down a, a firm grasp of weirdness that we held on to through the whole script yeah he was a strange guy and, and a comical guy as well comically strange yep so then with that out of the way i guess we can lace up the gloves and kick each other's asses <laughs> and get started on vivarium you son of a bitch this whole podcast the whole thing has changed now i was all ready to talk about this creepy movie but now i'm fired up ready to fight oh good this is great because I I, I can't wait I can't wait to throw the gloves off and just start ripping and tearing into Vivarium. Well, that's a good way to start the movie because there's some bloodshed in the first scene. You alluded to it in the intro. Two birds are feeding each other and fighting over the nest, and I guess it's like a survival technique. Birds push other baby birds out of the nest to make room for themselves. Well, particularly the cuckoo bird. The cuckoo bird is known for laying its. Uh, <clears throat> eggs in another bird's nest also particularly the warbler bird so it lays its eggs in this nest and then the other bird doesn't realize that it's not its baby but raises it up to be a child 
So why do you think they threw this uh, this little scene in there? <laughs> Wait, yeah, you watched the movie, right? Yeah. Okay, so then yeah, you know, it pretty much uh, it pretty much encapsulates the whole movie. Even the word vivarium probably gives away too much at the beginning. Yeah, but we're gonna try to avoid the obvious spoiler that's the title and the opening scene, and we'll just say that's what happens: two birds fighting, and and it cuts away. And then it goes to our main character, and that is Gemma. She's a teacher, looks like a kindergarten teacher or maybe even younger. She's having a good time with her class, but she goes outside and finds the dead bird. Well, she finds a student who's seen the bird, and the, the student's kind of sad standing over the bird. And then she says, well, that's just the natural order of life. That's just the way things are sometimes. So after that, we get an introduction to Tom who is a talking tree who also happens to be in the same tree where the birds pushed the babies out. So fortuitously he's there on the scene. He claims to have not pushed them out, but I'm thinking, you know, you can't be up there disturbing things. He probably had something to do with it. He might've, I mean, we, later we see a penchant for an unlovingness from him. So I don't know. Well, Tom is stinky, mostly unfunny. I mean, this this beginning here is just not funny at all. He's pretending to be the tree and talking to Gemma. Did you buy the chemistry between these two? It seemed like they were maybe in the beginnings of a relationship. I don't I didn't see them as very long. Like they weren't in a long term together. They weren't they weren't really comfortable with each other. Not comfortable enough to be doing what they, they go on to do. Yeah, what they go on to do is they want to buy a house, a starter home. So they drive to a real estate office, and here is where we meet Martin, the agent, and he is very offsetting and off-putting. He just the way he talks whenever they get there, everything he says is so strange. Yeah, he's just like slightly off. Uh, facial expressions just a hair off. The way he speaks is just a hair off. His reactions are just a hair off. He doesn't seem. He seems like he's imitating a human almost. Yeah, he seems like he's imitating a human. That's a good way to put it. I've got a lot more to say about that, but we'll save that as well for now. So they do agree to follow Martin to a home that he's going to show them, and it's a starter home. So they get in the car, and they're following Martin, and they're paying tribute, a very uninspiring tribute to the reggae song. Rudy, a message to you? Yeah, I was going to ask if you noticed any of the lyrics from that song. Stop your messing around. Uh, uh, better, better think, think of your, of your future. future. Uh, yeah, Sublime sampled that one in one of their songs. But this is the original song. A great song, but has anyone ever had less fun listening to a reggae song? It's, they didn't. They seem pretty white. Well, Imogen <laughs> kind of got into it and liked it. But my God, Tom, like, nod your head. Get into the music, wow. bro later they dance and you can just see the the white rhythm oozing off of him <laughs> uh, yes yeah it's so bad <laughs> his dancing his singing he's totally awkward about it yeah and and like i don't even think imogen does that like you're saying she seemed to get into it i don't really believe she does i don't believe either of these guys like reggae i'm calling i'm calling uh bluff how could you not like reggae though well yeah you can't not like reggae when I hear this old school reggae, I always think of our Jimmy Cliff conga line that we did in your kitchen with the, 
with <laughs> with Chris Ridley that one time. We we all joined at the hip and and did a conga line in the kitchen dancing to reggae. Yeah, that was great. Good old days. Yeah, I don't remember it. Uh, of course you don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Cheryl was great though, and if it was with Chris Riddler, I doubt we. Did, I doubt that. I uh, I believe that we did the, did it. Yeah, we were in a reggae state of mind for sure. Was that the night? Was that the same night with Spunk? Uh, it was daytime actually, so it might have yeah. been the, the next day. Who knows? God, Spunk was the greatest character ever born. <laughs> Spunk deserves his own TV show. Yeah, Spunk, Spunk, Spunk. Well, Spunk is a story for a different day. We can save that one. Actually, it's not much of a story. We just yeah, we, we just... get stoned and the guy would talk to his hand and <laughs> yeah. call it Spunk. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the story. And we just found it fucking hilarious. <laughs> and it's still funny, honestly. Yeah, it is. And yeah, some of some of the best puppetry I've ever seen. Like he was using his hand and just emoting with the hand. And, and I had a whole relationship with this hand at the time. Yeah, it was very dramatic, more than more than funny at times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it was serious. There was some deep underlying things happening with Spunk. Well, Spunk aside, this movie would have been a lot better with a character like Spunk. I <laughs> all, all Spunks aside. But they they listen to the reggae. They follow Martin. They kind of lose track of their surroundings. And next thing you know, they've arrived in the idyllic town of Yonder which is an ideal suburban neighborhood. It's literally just house after house after house that looks absolutely identical in every aspect. What an interesting name, too, Yonder. Yeah. You so, think they're just trying to pander to the to the folk? Yeah, it's right over Yonder. Yeah, I think that's exactly what they're trying to do. They don't want people to know where exactly it is, so they say, oh, you know, it's, it's over Yonder, and, and that makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of a half-hearted attempt, but but it does sort of work. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get what they're going for. It's like a politician saying folk. Hey, yeah. you folks. But we get some more strange behavior from Martin here, who shows them around the house. He's got some great lines when he's showing them the house, and it makes up most of my favorite lines, so I'm just going to save all of that. All right. But eventually, Martin, after showing them this house, he says it's move-in ready, and he then disappears not to be seen again until the end of the movie. Yeah, once he shows them to the backyard, then they go into the backyard, check stuff out, and he's nowhere to be found, and they come back out, and his car is gone. Yep. So they say, well, no way are we buying this house. Martin was way too weird, so we're not going to buy the house. Let's just get out of here. They get in the car to leave, and as they're driving they eventually discover that they're lost within yonder and they keep going in seemingly circles. They keep coming back to the same house they looked at. They always end up at the number nine house, which was their house. Yep, House number nine. They drive for a full day. They run out of gas. So when they run out, they're stuck right there in front of house number nine. So they try to make the best of it and they go inside. They eat some strawberries and champagne that Martin had offered them. And they make the comment that the food and drink is completely tasteless. Obviously, something's, you should know something's up when you just drove around all day and could not get out of a neighborhood. It's pretty obvious that Martin gave both of them COVID, right? That's why they can't taste. What? They can't taste anything. That's one of the symptoms. 
Okay. <laughs> right? Isn't that what's happening here? Isn't I this mean, like, that's it, part. That's a part of going. If you get the flu, you can't taste anything either. Like if your nose is stopped up, you can't taste anything. Well, this is a pandemic movie, right? Yes. Yeah. So there we have it. They, they've got the COVID and they're trapped indoors. Right. No sense of smell. No sense of taste. Good job. You've thrown our listeners for a loop. Now they'll never know where we're going with this. Nope. But the two of them, Gemma and Tom, they stay overnight now in this house because they're out of gas. They got nothing to do. And the next day, they try to make another attempt to leave. This time, they decide to go on foot and to follow the sun, which is a pretty sound idea. That keeps you going in the same direction at least all day, right? Well, it's, it's smart. It's a logical idea. Okay, so if the sun's setting in one direction, we just keep walking in one direction. Pretty, We're not going to walk in a circle. Yeah, that's what you would think, except for they do end up yeah. going in circles. But I got to comment on this. This journey they go through, I felt like it was Sam and Frodo going to Mount Doom, <laughs> the way they were just crawling <laughs> over this stuff. Yeah, setting up chairs to the fence, climb over the fence. Go. I mean, it, it makes sense that they're going to walk straight towards the sun, but yeah, it's uh, it still seems like a futile effort. Well, one thing I did notice on the second watch of this is that Tom noticeably struggles more than Gemma here in this journey. So uh-huh. it's, yeah, did you notice he was the one, he was more tired, he was lagging behind. She even checked on him at one point, says, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. But he is clearly physically struggling more than Gemma at this why, point. Why do you think that is? Well, I don't, I can't say now, but I will, later on, I'll say why. Okay. You better not forget. Don't let me forget, but All I right. think I think it's important. Don't let me forget to not let you forget. All right. I'll, I'll remind you to remind me. Thank you. But it is the end of the day. Now, they've walked the entire day, and they're still at apartment number nine. So it's obvious that this place is something. You know, it's not normal life now. But they don't really react that way. I mean, they kind of flip out. But there's never a moment of panic or sheer desperation from these two well not not exactly but you sense it coming they're trying to hold it together you feel like you get the you get the idea that they're trying to hold it together but it's it's falling apart quickly yeah they they do a good job of keeping it together if that's what they're trying to do but yeah i'd be flipping out i would be freaking out yeah definitely absolutely i wrote down for their journey that it was much like bilbo's journey there and back again Except they skipped the there part. They just did back again, over <laughs> and over again. again. Well, and, and also, to me, it's just like, if you placed your, yourself in this situation, really, like, we think about ourselves being in a situation and be like, why aren't you flipping out? Well, they have to make sense of it. They have to rationalize what's going on in order to not be insane, right? Yeah, to not go instantly insane, yeah. Yeah, so they have to rationalize this, and which means that they are trying to stifle what they're really probably thinking. Yeah, and they do. They don't even tell each other, really, what they're feeling. If anything, they kind of turn on each other a bit. Not hugely here at first, but they both have a little bit of blame for the other. Well, you get a little sense of it through the car driving scene when they're driving, and he says, all right, let me, let me, have, let me take the wheel. Let me have a crack at the wheel. And she starts chiding him and, and saying, oh, you want to crack at the wheel? What do you think that you think that's going to help? Oh, OK, go ahead. Have a big quack at the wheel. 
Yep. And she starts like chiding him about it. But have a go they, with the car, she says. Have, have a, a go with the car. Yeah. Have a and, little go with the car. Yeah, because he can't uh he can't fathom that she's he can't fathom that they're driving and just ending up at the same spot. He thinks that she keeps it somehow has to do with her doing something wrong. Also, he's smoking in the car and she gets pissed at that. And I just want to point out, Jesse Eisenberg looks like he's never smoked a cigarette in his life. He doesn't even convincingly hit the cigarette. Yeah, well, and the character I don't think is like a big smoker. I think he's just doing it because he's stressed, he says. But yeah, he definitely looks like a first-time smoker. Yep. But he is a smoker, and she is not. So that kind of adds into something I'll say later. Yeah, she gets pissed that he smokes in her car. But when they get back home from their walk... Well, their their escape attempt, they do find a box of dried goods at the door. So it's a bunch of food. It's freeze dried in this box for them to eat now. Yeah, like so, vac vac sealed. Yeah, DoorDash vac showed sealed, up for them. Vac sealed and canned food, and it's all like uh, salmon and some shrimp and some canned stuff. Whatever. It's all. It's all. It just seems like the basic necessities of sustenance. Salmon and shrimp, though, that's pretty classy. Well, yeah, but it's fr- it's it's not fresh, you know. You think of the salmon, sam- shrimp, and salmon would be fine if it were fresh, but it's it's, it's vac sealed, so it kind of comes off as not real. No, well, they can't taste anything anyway, so no, they're not really happy to have the food, though. In fact. Once they get the food, Tom goes inside and lights the drapes on fire and attempt to burn the house down. Yeah, and quick thinking by Tom, because you, you would think that if the house is on fire, it might uh, attract some fire, a fire department or somebody would have to come and put the, put the fire out or, or whatever, but that's not the case. Imagine if this did work, though, and the fire department came. How are you going to explain that obvious arson I mean, you set the fire, and you're just going to say, well, we tried walking out of this town, but we just kept winding up back <laughs> at this place. Yeah, I think I'd just be happy that they showed up in general. I'd be like, yeah, sure, I, I set the place off fire. Fuck. I've been walking for days in the direction of the sun, and I end up back here every time. You guys leave me out of here. But Martin shows up and says he's on the hook for 150 k for the house or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Martin's like, aha, that was our, that was our trick. We weren't trying to get you to do anything else other than burn the house down and pay for it. Well, luckily, we don't have to face those questions because no one shows up. The pair of them sleep on the sidewalk while the house is burning. And when they wake up the next day, not only has the house reappeared and and seemingly rebuilt itself, but now there's another box with a small baby inside. Yeah, this jumps really quickly into some weird area because the house is there, but there's still like soot and dust around. Like they fell asleep watching the fire of the house. They wake up, house is restored, and all of a sudden there's this new box that looks just like the old box. But inside this box is a small male baby. So at this point, the two of them are trapped in this town. There are no other residents. But they are being delivered food, and they now have a child. Obviously, you have to care for the child, no matter if you're a parent or a non-parent. If you're any human being, you have to pick up and care for this child, right? There's nothing you can do other than that. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think 
like human nature just um, says protect this other human. Let me ask you, what if this baby had horns like a demon or, or blue skin and you're in their position? Would you no. would you still care for this child? No, you kill it right away. I mean, <laughs> would, would you really? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I think yeah, I think that raises more questions as to what to do. But I think you I don't know if you kill it right away, but you definitely now know that it's not human. Kill it right away. Just because it's not human doesn't mean you just kill it right away. Well, it's just like uh, combined with all the other shit that's going on, it's probably the best idea to kill it right away. Well, the inside of the box says raise the child and be released. So it's kind of an incentive. Obviously, they're trapped and someone else knows that they're trapped and they're being told that their job is to raise this child and then they can get out of their situation. At least now they, they have an end game. Yep. So it becomes a routine life now for them. And 90 some days, I don't remember how many days. 98. 98 days go by in between scenes here. And the child does not seem like a three month old. Instead, he is aging rapidly. And he is apparently six or seven years old, it looks like. Yeah, I was going to say it looks about seven or eight right in that range. So in three months, this kid aged, yeah, seven, eight years. And he's already creepy. incredibly creepy incredibly creepy his voice is weird his he mimics the humans and just sounds strange and and yeah it's very creepy he repeats the things that he has heard tom and Gemma say in the past and none of them are really nice things yeah like almost like an audio recording but in his voice a little bit yeah it's kind of a mix between a child's voice and their voice as well he's he's imitating their voices yeah but it doesn't sound like a kid. It sounds like a, a, a like a imitation. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't. It does not sound like a traditional kid. But he does look like a traditional kid, and he's actually kind of cute. So you can see why they wouldn't want to harm this creature and or yeah. boy. But obviously, they don't feel comfortable around him either because he's extremely creepy. And now it's too late. Well, yeah. Now it's too late. That's your kid yeah. now, basically. Yeah. If he'd have come with blue horns. Maybe you'd have had a chance, but now he looks he looks and smells and feels like a human, kind of. So you have to either raise the child and do what you're told and be released, or you have to threaten to kill this child so that they come get you. Because obviously there's a third party there examining them, or at least knows they're there because they keep dropping off the food. Exactly. And the child. Yeah. Well, Tom, Tom kind of is on that train of thought, because... He has resorted to waiting for whoever is delivering the boxes to come by. He's got a garden pick in his hands, and he's going to attack and kill whoever whoever drops off the boxes. But they never come whenever he's waiting for them. Yeah, they. and then all of a sudden when something happens and they turn their head, all of a sudden a new box is there. And he's also smoking a bit more now, Tom is. And one day he throws his cigarette butt down on the ground and the ground just kind of explodes and reveals the soft, diggable earth underneath. Yeah, well, it does like a, uh, it's almost like if you toss, uh, if, you, if you set fire to your sock, you know, with the fuzzies, it's just like, it just yeah. immediately goes away. Yeah, it was kind of strange the way that worked out. It was almost like it was intended to be found, the soft spot in the earth. Mm-hmm. 
but he does find it. And now Tom's lead is I've got to dig. This is a, an unusual part of this world. And so I'm going to dig and find out what happens if I just dig straight down. Well, and to be honest, his options are limited. So it's either dig or sit there and watch the child be weird. Well, I also think they're trying to do some symbolism here with the standard family structure. They Certainly. want they Certainly. want Tom to be working all the time. And so that's his way of toiling and working to and and she takes more of a motherly role of raising mm-hmm. the child as well. And then he grows resentful and she grows you know, resent- yeah, yeah. It's a, there's a lot going on. He, there's a lot of stuff happening in the story where it makes you go, "What commentary are they making on society?" Yeah, there is some some societal commentary in this for sure. Yeah, I don't exactly know what it is or what they're saying, but it's it's there. Well, we can get off the Einstein stuff and get down to some raw, dirty, nasty sex. What? That's- <laughs> Well, that's the next scene. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're not having sex. We're we're gonna fight. Remember? We're I thought this sex. was good. I thought this was maybe like the fight thing, and, and maybe we were gonna also make out at the end of it or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll see, see how the fight goes. Yeah. If you put up a really good fight, I'll kiss you at the end of it. Well, if you have sex like Tom and Gemma do, then I don't even want a part of it, man. How boring. And the kids watching, which is also creepy, but. Later, we see a, another couple having sex while another kid's watching, and they're doing a much better job. Oh, yeah. Yep. Don't spoil that, man. Oh, Come sorry. On. sorry. That's, a, that's a big moment. <laughs> yeah, that is a big moment. So life now becomes kind of routine for these guys in this family. Tom digs, digs, digs. Gemma raises the child. The kid starts watching the TV, but the only thing that's ever on the TV are these weird symbols that kind of look like a, like a 90s screensaver or like a trapper keeper type thing yeah like uh freudian symbols or like splash marks or like uh like a jackson pollock painting sort of thing i think you're supposed to pick up right away that it's uh that it's deeper it's deeper than what just the image like it's uh, almost like a writing or language yes yeah, it's, it's a form of teaching or a brainwashing Communic- communication kid, maybe yep I found it interesting that Tom and Gemma never watch the TV or never even turn it on. The only thing you ever see on this TV, in fact, the only thing you ever see them doing besides digging and talking is eating. They don't have any other activities they're doing throughout the day. Yeah, Tom that's and Gemma. true. That's true. I never really thought about that. Like they, they get their roles really quickly and he sets to digging as his job and she sets to just like being the kid's child uh, caretaker or whatever. I kind of chalk that up to time being different in this place because the kids aging quickly and their days seem to be really short or going by quickly from what we see. So I don't think that this is standard time that, that we're seeing here. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. I think, well, and we know that it's not standard time because the kid is growing way faster than normal. So, but but there might, it might be standard time for them. And not everything else. It's not for, it's definitely not for the kid. Well, for me, it would be very relieving to turn on the TV and see like a news broadcast or any other. Well, we know that they don't get any signal for their phones. We already established that because they pulled out, they both pulled out their phones. They have no signal. So we can assume that nothing on the television is going to be reporting anything from the outside world. It's just those weird symbols, huh? Yeah. 
Well, I mean, up to this point, we've had a lot of mysteries. You know, what what are the symbols? What is this town? What is this kid? And we got a lot of answering to do, and we'll do it. But first, let's pause for podcast identification. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Skyler from the Rancid Taco Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to send us an email at rancidtacopodcast at gmail.com, or check out our Twitter handle, at rancidmovie. And if you've been listening to us for this long, there's one thing you're certain of by now, and that's that we don't know dick about anything that we're doing. Please feel free to enlighten us, send us some feedback, tag us in an article that proves all of our points wrong. At this point, we don't care. Just show us you're listening. We want to know if you're out there. Please say hello to us. Ask us how our day is going. Anything, really. So one night now, the couple goes out to their car mainly because they just want to get away from the kid for a minute. And as a parent, I never want to get away from my kids, really, but you do, <laughs> you do want to spend time with your significant other without them sometimes. I was going to say, this is ironically funny from a guy doing a podcast in his car right now. <laughs> well, I don't want to wake anybody <laughs> up, man. Away from the family. Uh, like, I know you don't want to wake anybody up, but it's just like an ironic statement. It is. Well, it's a school night. You know? I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. But they want to get away from the kid for just a little bit. They're listening to the Rudy song on the radio. They're surprised to find that their battery is still good, which I think that they would have figured that out before. You would have explored all avenues with your car, I think, over the last three months or however long it's been. Well, might have slipped their mind. I guess I guess they're just not thinking about a lot of things. They're yeah. just like, ah, screw well, it. we're trapped here. Or they're thinking about too many things. They're thinking about a bunch of other shit that has nothing to do with the car. So, they, I mean, their whole life and worldview perspective is crashing down right now. So you'll have to forgive them for, for forgetting about their reggae music. Well, they don't forget the reggae music. That's the one thing they do remember. They, they turn back on the same song. They go out in front of the headlights, and, and as you described them, dance incredibly whitely is that what you said or yeah the 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 anti-rhythm just soothes uh, oozes off of them especially from tom it was pretty bad from imogen but my god no one has ever danced to reggae like that yeah it just looks like two people throwing their limbs in every direction it's it's just white as hell and then i have to remember you know first of all he's not reggae-ish at all. He's a, a Jewish man. And she's English, so there's just not a bit of rhythm between the between each of them. No, and, and they display it pretty obviously. It's supposed to be an endearing scene, I think. Like a last hurrah of their former relationship and the good times, but I, I wasn't buying it, really. I, like I said, I wasn't feeling their chemistry, and to me, it was just like, eh, these people don't even love each other. Yeah, I was kind of like, all right, well, this is kind of a fun little moment, but it gets spoiled pretty quick. Oh, yeah. It gets spoiled by the boy who comes out and wants to you know, be involved as well. Tom gets really pissed off about it. Well, he starts mimicking them. Yeah, like he's he just dancing. Does. It's like a kid. The kid's does. mimic. But he knocks Tom over. 
No, Tom slams him, doesn't he? No, he knocks Tom over and Tom hits his head on the curb. And then uh, Gemma comes over and is like laughing with him and he gets all pissed off and then picks the kid up and slams him down because the kid was the reason he hit the curb. All right, yeah. So, I mean, the kid knocked him. He knocked Tom. It's... So there's this growing resentment between him and the, and the kid. Well, the boy, for his part, when he gets body slammed by Tom, who's a full-grown man, he bounces right back. No yeah, he... damage done whatsoever. Takes it pretty well. I mean, he's not even – his feelings aren't even hurt, you know. He's, he's fine. And interestingly, Gemma, Tom, however, oh yeah, Tom's not only pissed, but he's injured is, as well. Is injured physically and emotionally. And Gemma takes the side of the boy instead of Tom, so she tends to him, but she also makes a point, and she says this often throughout the movie. He calls her mother, and she says, "I am not your mother," and she wants that to be known that she she'll serve this motherly role, but she is not his mother. Yep, and why she keeps pretending to be his mother, I don't get. Like, you it's know. just the way things are. It's like the beginning of the movie with the birds. Yeah, if you're a I mom guess. and you see a child, it doesn't matter if it's yours or not. You you take care of the kid. I guess so because she still has this nurturing thing, and Tom is ready to fucking kill this kid. Yep. Well, that's why I asked you at the beginning if he had horns or if he was blue. Would you, what would you do? And you said, oh, I'd kill him right away, which was a surprising answer to me because to me, I'm, I don't care what it is. If it's a small little creature, unless it's a snake, I'm taking care of it. You know, I'm going to pick it up and take care of it, especially if it's a humanoid of any kind. Well, in that situation, I would be skeptical right away. I don't know that I would actually kill it right away, but something in me would tell me that this is not, this is not something I should be raising. Yeah, but it can't raise itself. Not maybe not raise, but at least protect for the day until you find a, a better home and place. Yeah, but you're being held captive. They're held, they're holding you captive. You're a prisoner right now. Yeah. What uh, so, mo- what motivates you as a prisoner to do the prison guards' work? Well, the fact that it's just another human being. As of right now, that that's all this boy is is a weird human being to them. So. That's it's true. another human that needs help. Yeah, yeah, you got to help him out. Yeah, that's true. But you're kind of right in the sense on the side of Tom here because Tom, he's like, fuck this kid. It's not our kid. And he's clearly not human just from the way it acts or whatever. You know, he's not a normal kid. And like you said, Tom is so pissed that he wants to, to kill the kid. And he and she keeps being like, he is this, he's that. And it's like, don't say he, it, it. Oh, we forgot to mention why he says that because they're in bed one night and they hear the boy making this horrible gurgling sound while he's watching TV and they run in to check on him. And that's when Tom's like, it's an it, it's not a, he, it's an it, it's yeah. a creature. It's not human. He's, he's leading on. Hey, it's not human. It's not right. It's not ours, but he doesn't have the balls to just flat out murder it with the ice pick. So he chooses the way crueler method of locking this kid into the car and letting him starve to death. That's how he wants to kill this kid. Well, he says that uh, if, it's, if it's important to them, they'll come and get it. So he's trying to get who's at them. Yeah, he, he's thinking the third party that's watching them will come and save the boy if, if needed, and that will be their way out, or at least figure out what's going on. Yeah. 
But Gemma can't condone the plan. She says, no, I'm not doing that. And she goes and gets the boy out of the car. So, again, there's a, a divide between Tom and Gemma as she has to be motherly toward this child. She can't help herself. Yep. So now they're separated, basically, but still living together. Tom starts sleeping in the hole that he's been digging the entire movie. And it's getting deep. It is getting pretty deep. And he's starting to hear noises within the hole, so he thinks he's getting somewhere. Though I'll say, as long as he's digging, you'd think the hole would be even deeper than it is. Well, he does run out of energy at some point, so how much he can dig during a day becomes a question for me. He eats alone now, too, which previously they'd had a family dynamic at all their meals, but now he's eating alone, and it's just her feeding the kid. And it's all that freeze-dried, tasteless food the whole time they're there. That would be the worst part, man. You can't taste anything. Oh, yeah. Just the sustenance is horrible. And it's just sustenance. That's all it is, is it's probably just protein to keep them alive. It's got no flavor. But Gemma, while Tom is brooding and hanging off to the side, she's bonding with the boy somewhat. I mean, at times she flips out and she calls him disgusting, particularly when, when the kid starts imitating her. She's got her own strategy going, I think. So her strategy is to get close to the kid and find out more. And uh, his strategy is to use the kid as leverage. So her strategy is learn about the kid, figure him out. He's a little mystery to her and then figure out what he is, where he comes from and maybe even relate to him. But she finds out pretty quickly in her, in her attempts to get close to him. She finds out pretty quickly that that's, that's a scary place. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it because I never looked at it as her using that as a way to escape, but it does make sense. I think really what they were going for more is she's becoming attached to this boy emotionally as a mother, but it does make sense she would use him to get yeah, no. information and get she, out. Yeah, she completely leads him into the game of like, we're, we're at that part, right? Where they, they play the game of do an impression. Almost, yeah, we're, we're pretty close. Yeah, yeah, and she has him do an impression of tom and then she's like well, doing a- hold on you can't skip that yet you can't oh, jump. okay all right you well, can't jump there yet all right where are we at well Gemma, for her part she does start going insane a little bit she starts howling at the moon oh yeah there's the howling thing that's cool which howling. doesn't make any sense she's just losing her mind i guess that's the way i looked at it sure but like what does it play what 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 part does it play in the story? Or, it does anywhere. Yeah, it's like it, just... it was just a cool little little scene that they didn't want to cut. I'm guessing. Yeah. Though it was also a bonding scene with the boy. They're laying there on a blanket and looking up at the clouds. Oh oh. And the boy she... does like does like being a dog for some reason. He loves being a dog and he's obsessed with dogs. But also, she mentions that all the clouds are exactly the same shape and size. Oh and yeah. Where, and where she comes from, the clouds are all different. So yeah. that is important. Yeah, kind of. It's uh, it's important. I mean, we notice it already. You can see the clouds when they go up there, that they're all perfectly cloud-shaped and not like real clouds at all. I, I, I was really at a loss for what this what this served in the, in the purpose of the movie. Well, maybe it'll make a little more sense a l- later on. We'll, we'll get around to it. It's all going to make sense later on. It'll all make explain, sense soon. You better explain the shit out of this later on. I'm going to. It'll all make sense. Well, the boy now, he starts leaving the house during the day, and it serves two functions. Again, it's the symbolism of the young man coming of age and going to work, going out into the world. But also, 
he's going out and he's doing something that Gemma needs to find about. So it serves the immediate plot as well. Gemma wants to know what he's doing when he's going out and sneaking around. And one day he comes back with a book full of the strange markings that are also on the TV. Yeah, the, the, there's some pictures that are like similar to the TV and then there's a whole alphabet that seems not human. Yeah, it's almost like a different language. Well, it's obviously a different language that only he can read. Yeah, only the like boys hieroglyphics almost. So now she's figuring out he got this book from someone else. And so he's seen someone else. And this kid can perfectly imitate anyone he interacts with. So Gemma makes the play. Hey, imitate Tom. Oh, nice. Hey, imitate me. And then she says, hey, imitate the guy that, that gave you that book. And the little boy puts all his cards on the table here. Turns out the truth of the matter is this movie is about aliens. We don't know that yet. Okay, well, he's an alien. No, we don't know that yet. What do you mean? What he do you grows, mean? He grows these frog lumps in his throat and it well, starts making him the gargling sound again. Yeah, I'm saying he might not be human, but he might be from Earth. So what is he if he's not an alien? He could be a, another species of, of human that's been growing here along with us this entire time. That's aliens. Uh, they're just another no, species no. of human. Aliens are from outside of the world. These He could be from already inside the world. How long have these people been doing this? We don't know. Where are they from? We don't know. Why do they age so quickly? Who knows? We don't know. They're not human, but that doesn't mean they're alien. Okay. Well, with what you're saying aside, <laughs> he's an alien, and this is the big twist in the movie. No, this is where it's I just shut you. down your fucking alien you theory. Did not shut that. Down I at shut all. that shit down right away. What if he because, was already here? Because oh there's God. nothing in the story that shows that they're from out of this world. No, not world, but an alien doesn't have to be from out of this world. Yeah, that's be... the that's the definition no, no, of no. the word is alien is not from here. No, because within this world, there are alternate dimensions and aliens can be from alternate dimensions no, while also being they're from, from our world. No, if they're from Earth, they're not alien. Not true, because Earth is the home of multiple dimensions. They cross over all the time. Such no, all because like Constantly. what what you're saying means that uh, a tiger is an alien. Yeah, or a tiger a, could be an alien. A tiger is not an alien. A tiger is part of Earth. If he's from another dimension, he's an alien no, tiger. That, we, we don't know that he's from another dimension. Well, he ages differently and nothing is real in his world. We just know that he's not human. Okay, right now, we don't know if he's from another dimension. Fair enough. Right now, we don't know that. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. But he does have gills and, and sprouts out uh, weird shit out of his lungs. and So now Jim... Hey, he ain't yeah, human. He ain't guy. human. We'll he get ain't that. human. Absolutely. So, Could time... be a ghost. Shut up. He's on a fight. <laughs> 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 so, time now passes again. And the boy is now a young adult, seemingly maybe 19, 20. Yeah. Tom and Gemma still look the same age. But Tom is even sicker now than he's ever been before. He's really struggling with everything he's doing, including digging the hole. But he is down there digging one day, and he discovers 
something that looks like a body, at least a, a skull or the face of something dead within the dirt there. Yeah, there's like a cloth over t- uh, top and it's vacuum sealed onto a face and it looks like a, a skull for sure. And he kind of freaks out when he sees that. Simultaneously, Gemma has decided to follow the boy as he leaves one day, but she gets lost. So Tom is freaking out over this dead body in the hole and Gemma is lost wandering the streets and the two of them are, are yelling for each other and they do reunite on the streets. So it's kind of, they're getting over their coldness that they've had for each other because they're both in a, dis, a situation yeah, of distress. Man, Tom is very weak. Like he's obviously, he's been coughing and, and, and choking the whole time. So we've seen him in the shower. She soaked him down at one point and he's got and he had a huge sores bruise. what were those bruises sore on? yeah sores and lesions it doesn't even look like bruises it looks like lesions like he's got aids or something like that i, I don't even know but i think uh, it is like kidney or liver failure yeah yeah he's not doing well physically and he's coughing all the time and he can't he just looks poorly well here i'll i'll say one thing that i've been i was thinking the whole time watching this is the reason I think time is sped up in this place is because not only is the boy's lifespan rapidly evolving way quicker than a normal lifespan, but the lifespans of Tom and Gemma are also evolving rapidly too, though their physical appearance is staying the same. Tom Mm. in particular is weak quicker because he's a smoker and he's not as healthy as Mm. Gemma. And they make a point about him smoking, so it's not like I'm just coming up with this. But yeah, yeah, the smoking and the stress, I think, leads to Tom's demise more quickly than any of the other characters. Well, also the hole. When he's in the hole, you can see like the air is thick and like red. So I think that he just while he's digging that hole, for some reason, while he's down there, he's breathing some toxic fumes. Maybe that's what that was my theory. You think there might be some bad shit down in that hole? Yeah, like the further he gets away from the surface, because this is a this is an aquarium for humans, essentially, right? Uh, that's kind of what the title suggests, yeah. Yeah, so we would think that like the oxygen is up on the surface. They're creating it all. Like underneath the surface, there's no oxygen coming from down there. So I think maybe like he's poisoning himself by digging deep in this hole. Yeah, that's kind of interesting too. But it still falls in line with the point that Tom is not as healthy as Gemma and he's suffering more quickly. He's seemingly on his deathbed here when, when he and Gemma reunite. Yeah, well, he, he literally is. <laughs> well, the, the boy has locked them out of the house. He's back at the house and he's locked both of them out. Tom and Gemma are out on the street and Gemma is holding and cradling Tom. And again, they have a Frodo and Sam moment from Return of the King. Where she, she says, she says, do you remember the taste of food? And he's like, no, no, I can't remember anything. Nor the taste of water. Uh. I can't even remember the Shire. Yeah. Yeah. She, he's, uh, he's pretty much like in a rough condition. She's holding him. But then it, something happens very suddenly that I don't think really we, we, we kind of sense it might be coming, but we don't expect it to happen then. Are you referring to him just dying right there? Yeah, yeah. just dying all of a sudden. He just, blah. He just, he just, he croaks, literally. Yeah, that's why another reason I think time is so sped up in this place. 
I think it's a natural death. I think his liver failed or whatever. That's why he's got those bruises, but he's, it's just age or the smoking, whatever was going to happen to him in his normal life. I think it happened in a way quicker pace in this place. Well, yeah, I, that's a, that's a decent theory. And, and there are some things in the script that might lead us to believe that. I don't know if they point to that exactly, but to me, it felt like whatever was around him the, and the air, like when he was down in that pit, it looked, the air looked toxic. So that's, to me, was like what was causing it. But also maybe just the air from being in there because she's not much longer either. No. Well, we do need to point out, Gemma, before Tom dies, Gemma asks the boy to let them in and get them some medicine because he needs help. And the boy walks out and he says, I don't know. Maybe it's time he was released. So we're meant to receive that released means killed or or he's dead, right? Yeah, released from, yeah, released in in a meta version. Yeah. So the boy refuses to help Tom. Tom does die. But I got to say, the scene before he dies, when they're talking and talking, I thought it would never end. My God, 15 <laughs> minutes of them professing their love for each other. And it's like, it's, I didn't buy it. And it's just, yeah, you know? not super necessary. Like, we didn't already, the love between the two of them have kind of already faded away. So we didn't need to really bring it back in, I guess. But well, it humanizes the situation a little bit, I guess. Yeah, that's what they were going for. It, it didn't really land with me. Yeah, but, and then finally they come back together. Hoorah. It's, it's almost a happy ending for these two. Yeah. Well, ultimately it is a happy ending for those two, but don't, yeah, they, no spoil yet. No spoil. Yep. yep. <laughs> but one thing I was into and I really loved was after Tom dies, the boy brings out this little freeze-dried bag, body bag, and he, he puts Tom in the bag and then he hits this button and it freeze dries him. Like, <laughs> But he, he like gives it to her. She that, like, she freaks out and he's like, gives it to her. He's like, yeah, go ahead and put him in the bag. Yeah. We got to dispose of the body because he lacks the, he lacks and she's having all this emotional connection to him dying. And he lacks all of that. And he doesn't understand why she's reacting the way she is. It's like, Oh, it's his time. He expired. Put him in the bag and throw him in, in the hole. I just, I like the bag itself. I wish I had bags like that. Oh, yeah. That's much, probably much better than a coffin. But we're approaching the big climax of the movie here. And that's what's Gemma going to do now without Tom. And we'll get into that after this final break. Yeah. In a world full of podcasts comes one more podcast. Two men who know absolutely nothing about hardly anything at all bring you the Rancid Taco Movie Review Podcast. You can check them out on Twitter at Rancid Movie or send them an email at RancidTacoPodcast at gmail.com. Prepare yourself for a most rancid experience with the Rancid Tacos. So, now with Tom dead and packed away, they've thrown him down into the hole, and Gemma has finally resolved it's got to be because of the boy or something to do with the boy, and she attacks the boy with an ice pick. 
Yeah, finally, she grows a pair and decides to attack him. And it's crazy. When she hits him with the ice pick, he makes a crazy, weird sound. Like a... Yeah, and then he crawls on all fours and hides under... He pulls up the sidewalk and hides under the sidewalk and essentially escapes through a crack or crevice. Right, he doesn't hide under the sidewalk. He opens up the sidewalk and it lifts up like a blanket on a bed. Leading down into a, a tunnel. So she follows him. Gemma follows him. And while she's down there, she suddenly sinks through the floor into alternate dimensions of what she has been doing the whole movie. Basically, other couples taking care of versions of this boy or a boy like that. Yeah. So she sees other other couples doing exactly what her and uh, Tom have been doing. But she views it through a different color, like the whole all, the scene is all colored differently, and I wonder why they're doing different colors and that. And but I guess just to make it look like a whole different type of world of, of sorts. So you understand that these things could be happening simultaneously, or in the past, or even in the future. But they're yeah. interdimensional ideas of what she and Tom had just gone through as well. Yeah. And, but I think uh, most importantly, it's, uh, there's a simulation going on created by other creatures that are, that are keeping them all in separate worlds, but within this own, within this box, within this community. Yeah. Yeah. So in one of them, the guy, the, the husband figure had killed himself in a bathtub and another one, you can see a girl looking depressed at the dinner table, kind of like Gemma. And then in a different one, the girl was riding the dude. Yeah, like, and the, and there was another little kid that looked very similar to their kid who was clapping and cheering it on. I was like, yeah, good job. They, they are doing it well. But he wasn't hiding in the closet like the boy was. He was right in the doorway clapping openly. Yeah. They show us a few of the kids, and they all look similar, but yet a touch different. So that's what happens on the screen. She keeps falling through the floor over and over again until eventually... She ends up back at her house, house number nine, and the boy is there. Gemma is now dying as well, much like Tom was. She's basically just fading away. There, there's nothing wrong with her, but she's just kind of she's just losing dying. all, yeah, losing energy, losing the will to live. Like something in the oxygen is not right. I don't think. Well, the boy says, or the food that they give him, maybe, or the time, maybe, maybe she's just aging out, but or the time, maybe. But the boy says, you know, I don't feel the same things that you feel, but I do kind of feel like I'm going to miss you or something like that, mother. And she says, one final time, I am not your mother. And then he zips her up, too, and she's dead. So he throws her down in the hole as well. Tom, And then he says, he says a word that she taught him. He goes, whatever. <laughs> and zips her up. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. And he he throws her down in the hole. So Tom and Gemma both bagged up dead in the hole, apparently. Yeah. So now the boy gets in their car. He fills it back up with gas. The reggae music is playing still. He drives back to the real estate agency where Martin is there and he's aging now. Martin is much older than he was when we saw him before. And he is on the brink of death as well, too. Yeah, his life cycle, and he's gotten a lot older. He's got gray hair, and his, he's looking pretty old. So the boy takes the name tag from Martin, and he becomes the new Martin. And then this scene is awesome. That's, 
This is the worst because he just crunches him right up. He rolls up the body in the bag again, and then he, he rolls it like a sleeping bag and puts it in the an office dresser drawer. And you hear it tumble down like it's just gone like down a chute or something. Yep, so he disposes of Martin's body, and then he takes the role. The boy is now the new Martin, and a new couple walks in seemingly to, to undergo the same process that Tom and Gemma just went through. And we're back at the beginning. The, loop, back. the loop has completed. Yep. And so now it's time to say what I really think was happening in this movie. Okay. So you've already made it clear to me, and this we had a huge argument off air just now before this break. <laughs> I shouldn't call them aliens. I shouldn't call them supernatural. And that's all fine and good. We'll call them well, anything, anything you I, want to call them, we can listen, call Listen, I fully understand the want to call them aliens. We just don't know that they're from out of this world. Okay. And again, it's not a want. It's a need to call them something. All right? Yeah. Some, they have to be called anything. But they all, I'll call them aliens for the, for the purposes of what I'm going to say here. So this alien group has a hierarchy like any other structure. Kind of like the mafia, in my mind, in the sense that you have your good aliens, your smart ones that are going to be ambitious and productive and further your goals of your race. And then you have the ones that aren't so smart and the ones that you kind of just give a job to and hope they stay out of the way. And I think the breed of Martin and his race and his aliens is that that kind of Fredo Corleone of the aliens a bit. Mm. I think some alien godfather gave this job. Man, we got to give this kid something. Let's give him this little operation in, in yonder <laughs> and, and see what he does with it. And so Martin, his ultimate goal is to, to produce a human that can assimilate into current culture, our culture, you know, yeah. Earth, Earth culture. Yeah. But he's failing miserably. And he's trying over and over again to do this. But he's obviously not assimilating. Martin is a weird motherfucker. The yeah. boy is weird as can be. And we saw in those past simulations, the one was openly watching the couple have sex. So that version of Martin probably didn't turn into a well-adjusted real estate agent. No, not a good, not good actors. They're not raising good actors. That's for sure. The other Martin, his father killed himself in the tub. So that's a little blip on the radar. And that's why none of these succeeded. I think this movie is a happy ending, not only for Martin, because I think finally with Gemma and her, her mothership abilities, I think finally they're maybe getting a decent Martin. I think the boy will be a better Martin than the previous Martin was. You think generationally speaking, each generation is going to get more adjusted? I think this was an improvement over the past generations for sure. And if they can keep it going, if this new couple's good, I think they well, can keep it going. There's nothing to there's nothing to insinuate that these couple that these kids are retaining any information from the previous generation because they're entirely taught from the one generation, which is uh, Gemma and Tom. Well, you don't know who taught Martin. I'm assuming another couple like Gemma and Tom. Right, and it probably wasn't quite as good. Tom and Gemma did. Martin is the same entity the whole time. But the here's the is thing Martin. is that they're not going to learn from the previous generation. Uh, the boy is not going to learn from Martin because he never meets Martin until he takes his name tag. No, the boy is Martin. The boy becomes Martin. Right, and he also is Martin. Yeah, because so his is, limited potential is Martin. He can only be as good as Martin. 
Because well, he's he's only learning. You're always first generation in this this style of growing. Well, that's the second part of the theory, because this is not really happening. None of this is really happening, and it's a happy ending for Tom and Gemma as well, because they're not dead. The whole thing is a simulation, <sighs> and it's evidenced by the fact that the food has no taste, the clouds are fake. Nothing's real there. There's no other people there. Time isn't even real. That's actually the best theory you've got yet. Because it is a simulation, obviously. And a standard practice in real life of, of people that are abducted by aliens is time lapse and then a short amnesia of that time that lapsed. So the most famous couple that ever was abducted is Betty and Barney Hill. You can do your research on them if you want on the side. <laughs> They missed about 20 minutes of time, but mm-hmm. the, the story they tell is them being abducted and, and experimented upon for weeks, for seemingly weeks. And that's the closest to real life that you're going to get from this movie. It's very similar, and I think probably inspired by the case of Betty and Barney Hill. Well, there's only one problem. Uh, Betty and Barney Hill were, were abducted by what? We don't know. And in, in interdimensional something. We call them <laughs> aliens, but we don't know what they were abducted by. No so, one knows. Yeah, so interdimensional. We don't know, but they, but they were abducted. How, what's the story go from those two? And be honest, don't lie to me. What do you mean, what's the story? The story go? was they were abducted onto a ship or what? No, they, they were driving and they saw a beam and then they parked their car, unwillingly parked their car. They didn't have control of their consciousness. And then when they reawoke their consciousness, they were driving. And then they later got their story from them through a hypnotist. They were hypnotized and that's how they found out what happened in that time in between. Mm, they didn't remember that's anything. Interesting. Well, that sounds like an unidentified organism. Yeah, you can I'm I'm fine with calling it that. That's been my <laughs> point the whole time. Call it anything. You're not you want. fine with calling it that though. No, you're hung you're up on the word alien. Like <clears throat> the word alien is just a word. It's you're gonna call it a cat, a dog, anything. It's it is what it is, but it's not, it doesn't have to be. Well, the alien green alien thing. suggests out of this world, or alien means foreign. It suggests out of this world, or out of this land, or different. Out not of this from... dimension. Out of this dimension <clears throat> is the main thing. That's it's interdimensional. That's what, you're, that's what you're trying to put forward. Well, that's in the movie too. She goes through different dimensions, so it's not like we a don't know big... that she goes through a different dimension. We know that she goes through different areas of the simulation that she's in. Right, which is another way of looking at a different dimension for her, because she's it's fully, a, it's she's well, within the simulation. She's not she's like in she's in a not simulation. She's in a simulation with uh, unidentified organisms, so right. we don't know where she's going or what she's doing. But what's the ultimate goal of of Martin and his? If you could call it a race, but yeah, I always think there's just one guy. One they're Martin. just trying to survive. That's why I'm saying they have been among us the whole time. They're not aliens. They're not anything unorganic. They're from Earth. They are the weird ones that we walk by every day. The people we pass by and we say, Jesus, that guy was just weird as fuck. It, it like, almost like a... Uh, well, it's like a similar type of autism. So so these are like different types of people, but they're also a species and organism that are just trying to survive. They're just trying to do what they think is right. It's all part of the world. She says that in the beginning, whenever she knocks, when the bird gets knocked out of the nest and she's explaining it to the child, she says, 
oh, that's just part of life. It's not all bad. Sometimes it's good. These people, these things are just doing whatever they think they should be doing to survive and to correlate with humans. So they're not humans, obviously. They have like weird stuff going on with their necks. They have a whole different language. They're obviously, obviously smart, but they've been coexisting possibly with us for years and years and years. Yeah, I agree with all that. That's absolutely true. And in fact, that's backed up historically again by our own home states, the Mothman. You know, you know the story of the Mothman, right? Everyone mm-hmm. saw the Mothman, the bridge collapsed. Mm-hmm. That, that happened. But do you know what happened after the Mothman? No, please go on. The Men in Black is not just a Will Smith movie. It's based <laughs> off a real thing. And this is, I mean, this isn't funny. This has its own history. You okay. can look this shit up. This is keep all real. Keep going. Keep going. If it's not funny, I'll stop laughing. All right. Uh, you may still find it funny, but <laughs> it, after the appearance of the Mothman, Strange people started showing up at local businesses in the towns nearby, Point Pleasant and and surrounding towns, basically all the towns that claim to have seen the Mothman. Strange people started showing up and they were called the men in black, historically, and they were characterized by not really being able to grasp human concepts. So something like turning a door handle might take them two or three seconds where a normal person knows immediately what to do. Or the way they talk is just a little bit off-putting. Where did you strange. Where did you get this information from? Google it right now. Patrick Swayze proved proved to Sky the existence of Men in Black. <laughs> you want me to Google it? Yeah, absolutely. You're the Patrick Swayze guy. Okay, Google. See it with Google. Your own what eyes. am I googling? Men in uh, Black, West are Virginia. Men in Black, real. No, that's not going to bring it up. Should I put West Virginia in there? Yeah, put Mothman in there too. And Black West WV Virginia. Men in Black. I suppose men dressed in black suits, quasi government agents. Men in Black, countless like this is West Virginia. Men in Black on the deep territory of government agents or false flag operations. I I don't know what I'm looking for here. That's why like, I said you have to do this on your own time, man. This is a wormhole that you're going to spend hours reading about. Oh, paranormal West Virginia, the Flatwoods monster. Oh, here we go. Listen, I but I don't know. I don't understand what you're getting at. Like, what are you? What are you saying? What are you? What are you getting? At? I'm saying that these historical men in black that have been told about inspired this movie. They inspired Martin. And essentially, they inspired the whole plot because these aliens are trying to perfect a version of whatever they are that can assimilate into human culture and can mimic, first of all, imitate humans. First of all, we don't know that they're aliens. I didn't say the word alien just now. You just said the word aliens. These aliens can assimilate into yada yada. We don't know that they're aliens. That's the point that I'm trying to make here. Okay? That's not a point. I'm agreeing with you. We don't know anything. Yeah, I'm they're just, just saying they could be a they could be a different species from Earth, man. Come on. A species is something that we again are assigning. It's just a label that we've assigned to things. And we've assigned the label of aliens yeah. and to alien these things. No, that we have not, because we are me and you, and you have done that, not me. So we have not done that. 
We would agree on that. Oh my God. You You're, agree on that. I'm not even arguing with you. Your point is so asinine. They're not <laughs> aliens. They're whatever. They're demons. They're ghosts. This whole fucking thing is just payback for you calling them the ghosts and ghosts aliens, okay? No, this whole thing is payback for Moulin Rouge. Again, you <laughs> no, son of a No, 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 no. Moulin, Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge is in the past. I've already won that years ago. This has to do with the ghost, all right? You must, you purposefully mistaking aliens and ghosts back in those episodes when we knew it was fucking ghosts everybody knew it was ghosts and you can and you insisted that it was aliens and it was so fucking asinine and now look at me making no. such a fucking asinine suggestion it's so asinine that the director himself supports my theory I you never crazy said motherfucker not ghosts in ghosts i said that it was not a heavenly beam it was an alien beam I now fully, you said you said aliens. Ghosts and aliens go hand in hand, man. They're all from different dimensions. It's oh all the same shit. Oh it's all energy God. just floating around the world and, and crossing over different dimensions. Ghosts, uh, aliens, demons, the Loch Ness monster, Bigfoot, all that shit. You're all, on tilt. All the same. You're shit. on tilt, hardcore. You're like, oh no. You're like it's going all, all in with. Shit. You're going all in with seven deuces, okay? Seven deuces is a damn good hand. Seven deuce. You're going all in. That's right. I can go all in. When you got the nuts, you go all in, man. <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately for you, you got to have the cards, too. And all that's the not laid working on the table. Out. These are, all right, like, like, they could be aliens. I'm not saying they're not aliens. What's an alien? Aliens from, not from, not from here, not from Earth. Or not from the, wherever you're speaking about, it's not from there. Not from another dimension. That's all I'm saying. They're they're interdimensional beings. You don't know that they're interdimensional. I do. They're they show different dimensions in the no, movie. No, they showed her in a simulation getting sucked through different simulations. They didn't. They never said the word simulation or showed simulation. Well, it's just as much uh, theory that she's going through simulations. There's more. That yeah, I know. That's my theory. I'm the one that said that theory. Okay, so then you prove my point. <laughs> you don't have a point. All you're saying yeah. is not to call them aliens. I'm just saying they're not aliens. You're you're you want to talk about aliens. You don't know they're, they're not, not aliens. aliens. You don't know they are or aren't aliens. You don't know they are or not aliens. All right, let's just settle on their men in black sent <laughs> after the Mothman. Listen, we're only the only way we're gonna settle it is if we go back to the future and fight at 18 <laughs> years old. <laughs> That's what this is. We've been setting up this fight the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm already way up on you. I feel like I got many jabs in. No, body. no, you're just drunk and think you're winning. There's no. Ah, wow, that's the winning. that's the benefit of being drunk. I know I'm winning. You're yeah. not remotely winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no chance that you're winning, and there's no chance I'm wrong. All right, well, let's bring this whole fucking thing back home because now you've derailed the whole thing. I've derailed it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for admitting that. All right, well, I was just going to say bonus points for an accurate portrayal of alien life and their <laughs> studies of humans. Okay, well, that's, that's like, uh, it's like, uh, me, yeah, it's like you're saying, you just said, oh, maybe they're not aliens. I'm agreeing with you on that. And now I'm going to call them aliens. They studied the humans. The humans survived the vivarium. They lived out the same. No, they didn't. They're both dead. 
No, no, it's a simulation. They live. The humans are dead. All right. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Did we like the movie or not is the question. I'm giving it a 14 out of 20 because it is rewatchable. It's a pretty good movie. I like it in general, and I think it's interesting. It's very thought-provoking, as we've expressed here. But at the same time, it doesn't really deliver, you know? Like, it gives you everything you want to have happen in the movie, and then it falls short at the ending, I feel like. So, for some reason, to me, it just felt like it didn't really give you what it was setting you up for at the end of it. Uh, you get a little bit of the uh, um, unidentified organisms. <laughs> just say it. Just say now, it. Yeah, the unidentified organisms, you get a little bit of their life and like the back history of what they're kind of keeping behind the shadows, but you don't really get uh you don't really get a full view of it and you don't understand it much and they don't explain it much. So, to me, it just falls a little bit short of being like you know, what you what you really want. I mean, like if if it had gone a little in more in depth with that stuff, it probably could have scored around 18-19. But for me, I Damn. think it's good. I think, yeah, because it, it is an interesting film. But uh, it, for me, it's just, um, it's an interesting watch. It's, re-watch, it's worth re-watching, but it's ultimately not, it's actually very much on the surface. Like the first watching, I think you kind of get everything you need to get. And uh, upon the second or third watching, you might get some stuff that the director's trying to put in there uh thematically that has to do with suburbia or suburban america or those types of things statements that he might be trying to make outside of the film but inside of the film as far as the story goes it only really needs a watching or two and that's why i'm going to give it a 14 out of 20 well that's weird because i figured i liked the movie more than you but i rated it lower than you did actually Mm. i only gave it a 12 out of 20 and when I first watched it, I, I was leaning toward a nine because I was thinking, man, I'm, I don't need to see this again. You know, I saw it. It was very on the surface. It's got its twist, you know, which is the fact that it's unidentified organisms or aliens. Thank c- you. Controlling the whole thing. That's the <laughs> twist. And so in any sci-fi, once you learn the twist, it immediately takes away some rewatchability. But I did find this movie very fun to think about once I started thinking about the men in black and thinking about, you know, some alien godson somewhere, you know, running this little joint. (laughs) It was fun to think of that. (laughs) I knew it was you, Martin. You broke my heart. (laughs) You broke my heart, Martin. But Martin actually was great. I loved the performance of Martin. And we actually see Martin expire. That's maybe the saddest part of the movie when he just like leans back in his chair and just goes, well they followed up with him them rolling him up like a sleeping bag which was hilarious so. crunching him like a fucking swiss cake roll but i think that crunching him up thing i think that fits into our theory that it's a simulation as well because you shouldn't be able to just fold up a body like that unless it's just made out of carbon and it's not you know the real yeah. body yeah the body doesn't really like that's what i was wondering at the end like how does he crunch that body up like that is he got superhuman strength or does he is the body not really it's, a, it's like recyclable a i think it's just the same boy keeps popping out recycled out of the old martin you know he becomes martin recycled. yeah but we saw we saw a bunch of other martins happening so like 
What changes happens, a little bit? Is, is he like, like, what if he's only there for a day and then the next Martin shows up and it's like, well, fuck, I guess I don't have a job anymore. Bye. No. Well, no, you just live to serve the next Martin. I think it's all just about taking care of the next Martin, getting him yeah. raised and then becoming and Martin. So the original Martin that we met, he led the longest life that I think we're going to see. Uh, I don't know how much time actually passed while they were in the simulation. It might have only been a day. That's true, too. There's no way of knowing. So that kind of stuff, this kind of talk actually raised my grade. When I originally was going to say nine, this is why I raised it up to a 12 is because these talks are fun to have. But outside of that, you know, the, the twist is revealed. The acting didn't impress me. The chemistry wasn't great between those two. I didn't think it was supposed to be a little bit scary, but I was never scared, never overly thrilled. I was intrigued, but that was it. You know, it was not yeah. supremely funny. It's not sci-fi and it's not exactly horror. It's like a think piece in between. Yeah. So it was worth the watch, but I'm not going to call it a great movie. And 12 out of 20 is where I'll end. That's pretty good then. But we skipped over our favorite lines and I actually had some lines I wanted to say this time. There's some funny ones. Okay, go ahead. All right. So first of all, from Martin, when they ask him, Martin, where's the house? He says, near enough and far enough. Just the right distance. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> and then at the house, when they're looking at the house, he says, the living room, a room to live in. Memories will be made in the ample living spaces between these walls. It's just the most cut, cut carbon. Yeah, right out of a commercial, right out of a commercial. And when he presents them the champagne, he says, a welcome tipple, which I don't know what tipple is, I guess. Is that a British word for like a? Uh, I have n- I don't know. I have no clue. I've never heard it before. I didn't even notice that one. Oh uh, yeah, he says a welcome tipple. A welcome what... tipple. I like that one. We already said I'll give you a go, a little go at the car, which was funny. <laughs> and then my favorite one is when the boy says, "I grow fast as a dog." Woof 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 woof. I, that's what I liked is all his woof woofs. They were like. I'm like a dog. It's like, okay, all right, you creepy little bastard. Well, the grow fast as a dog thing too means that like uh, every seven years, time's going seven times. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of it like that. That's a good point. Grow fast as a dog. Yeah, like he lives a dog's life almost in the same. uh, He grows faster. He's doing dog years. Yeah. So, did you have any favorite lines? I did. Uh, I had, uh, once he starts digging the hole, uh, he says, this is something that I can do. Please just let me do this. And for some reason, it was just like, for me, a lot of, a lot of the symbolism of this movie was underlying the sense of uh, suburban America where you just can't do much. You know, you just can't, like, you're just stuck in this race of, race of, until death you know and for me that was just a really symbolic line of that like i can't do much except go to my job and work and do it and get it done and come back home uh and then all the clouds here are shaped like clouds perfect sickening clouds yeah i like that line sometimes things are so perfect it kind of makes you sick yeah yeah and she says the way she says that's like they're shaped like clouds perfect sickening clouds 
Like they're so they're so perfect and it's so artificial that you can't trust it. And then the wind was great. I never realized how much I liked it. He says that right before he dies, uh, Tom. And it's just one of those things that makes me makes me think about uh, the realization of the things that we take for granted every day and we don't really appreciate. Yeah. And he, it's something as simple as the wind. He didn't realize how much he liked the wind until there was no wind there. Like, it's like living out in the desert. Uh, you don't realize you miss rain until I go back east and, and there's a thunderstorm, uh, you know, back home. And I'm sitting on my porch and there's a thunderstorm and it's just the most beautiful, peaceful thing ever. But I don't miss the rain while I'm here. When I'm here, I just forget about the rain. Yeah, but when you're back home, you're like, oh, man, this is nice. I, I miss like, this. Ah, uh, yeah. It's like, but if I were to live back home and it rained more often, I would probably just be like, eh, it's raining. Fuck, I can't do anything. Can't go anywhere. But now it's like I sit on the porch and appreciate the rain and hear it and think about it, and, and it reminds me of something. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's human nature. You just take things for granted, no matter what it is or, or where it is. And sometimes you get these little moments where you realize you shouldn't be taking it for granted, but they're fleeting moments. It seems like, yeah, it's it's good to recognize them when you, when you see them. Yeah. The movie kind of reminds you that it reminds you of what, what it is that's good to be human and what it is. It's uh, keeping you locked into this idea of not human, I guess. I don't know. Well, it is good to appreciate things. And we've the last couple of weeks made an effort to show more appreciation to our fathers oh yeah and this week i've decided to let my father select our next movie and the pick is in Oof! i'm excited a gary weir classic here we go i've never seen this movie i don't know if you have or not but the pick is 12 monkeys oh what a good selection thank you gary it's good to know that that uh, there was some taste in movie selections somewhere along the line in this family. <laughs> a completely unabated insult. Come on, what's this for? <laughs> There's no reason for this. Oh, did I smack you with my glove? You I'm smacked sorry. me. You smacked me enough already today. <laughs> with, you're not allowed to call them aliens. Oh, you fuck. Listen, this the, all the stuff caught off air should have been caught on air because you came on and completely changed your whole mode. And now what I'm talking about this behind the scenes of this episode is going to be on the VH1. Where are they now? <laughs> it's going to be like this is the episode that they decided they murder was the better route. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like murdering you right now, but I feel like this might actually end up being an okay podcast, too. So I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. Well, you're welcome. Because I couldn't let you call aliens, I have created one of the greatest episodes of all time. No. Yeah, have you ever seen the Always Sunny episode where Charlie's working in the basement, putting all those things together with all the papers? And he says, Pepe Silvia, Pepe Silvia, you got to take this here, this here, and this here. And he's like, mm -hmm. unwork. So I just spent the last week working out all these brilliant webs and, and things tied together. And it's like you came down and said, you don't work in this office, Charlie. What are you doing here? I'm like, no, I just did all this shit, and you're not going to let me say the word aliens? Like, what's yeah. your problem? Yeah, you would be the Charlie. Unbelievable. Yeah, who wouldn't want to be the Charlie? <laughs> Everyone wants to be the Charlie. Yeah, they're all unlikable people. That's the, be that's the best part of that show. 
Well, that is true. And I had so many other points that I didn't even get to make because we spent so much time arguing over what to call these uh, yeah. interdimensional fucking oh, species yeah. or whatever you want to call them. Oh, yeah. That but, was yeah. felt great. It felt, felt great to really uh, rattle you, you know, yeah. to, get, to get in that cage and shake it around a bit. Well, why don't you say what I really feels great? I know how hard you work to rattle my cage at times, and uh, and uh, it, it just feels good to get back and, and why don't do, you just say to do a little bit of the damage to be the to be the chaos. Just say it feels good to avenge Moulin Rouge. Just say that. No, no, no. Moulin Rouge is gone and in the past. And uh, one one day now you'll, it's in the past. One now day buried Vivarium. Huh? One day you'll realize where you went wrong with that but never will you ever regain posture on vivarium because i, I have believe taken you it picked and this ruined movie it. i picked a movie i ruined it too no you, you know what's gonna happen tomorrow at work i'll talk to somebody with a brain about hey vivarium and i'll say all my shit and they'll be like man that's the coolest thing i've ever heard that's awesome like yeah well i tried to tell my par- podcast partner all this shit but he wouldn't listen he just wanted to not call them aliens. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna immediately be like, yeah, and the aliens were crazy. And then in the back of your head, you're gonna be like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right about that. I probably like, fuck, man, they just said aliens. Yeah, I can't say aliens. Yeah, but were they aliens though? No, they're interdimensional beings. Aliens they're unidentified are interdimensional. They're organisms. one in the same. They're all one in the same dimension. We don't know about dimensions. All right, there's no dimensional stuff going on that we know of. My take on aliens ghosts and all that is it's all the same thing man. it is all it is all interdimensional that's my life belief it's well, all energy and it's all different planes uh, who fucking raw that doesn't mean it's right congratulations no but congratulations. it's just as right as any nonsense you would spout out or anyone would sure spout yeah it gets your belief those are that's faith, right those are faith-based ideas you can have all those beliefs and you can believe them 100 percent. but somewhere in your brain you should also know that you could be wrong Oh, yeah. There's wrong about what? Any faith-based idea. Anybody that believes in a faith-based idea should naturally have some self-doubt in their brain. If you don't have self-doubt in your brain about a faith-based idea, you're a dangerous human to the population. Well, of course. You think I run around expecting every other <laughs> you're person the kind to of believe person, in ghosts, aliens, you're the kind of person all this if, other if stuff? You don't, if you don't have this type of uh thing in your brain that i'm talking about you're the kind of person that goes around and kills people for their ideas believe that are based in faith you get what i'm saying but are you suggesting that i'm the kind of person that expects everyone to believe in ghosts and aliens being interdimensional spirits i'm asking you to ask that of yourself obviously not i mean come on Give me enough credit there to realize I'm I'm in the minority with my own beliefs. I'm not part of a, a mainstream belief system. Yeah, well, just because you're in the minority doesn't mean you're right either. That's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to say I'm right. No one is saying I'm right but you. So okay. you can argue with me that I'm wrong, but I'm All not right. saying I'm right. All right, well, good. You're Listen, wrong, this is happening. The fight is happening. <laughs> I'm going to go back in time. And beat God. your fucking ass. I'm going to beat the shit out of you in the Dude. future. By the way, 18-year-old me was an absolute fucking stud. Oh, he would yeah. tear you a apart. Stud. A stud. Okay? What a, I could bench 18-year-old me was still teaching you how to be 18-year-old me. Okay? Unbelievable. 
You would never be able to get out of this fucking iron, all right? I would just lock uh, this iron me. around your head, man. You would never escape. Listen, I've seen you play basketball. Other than that one day when you went all ungodly on everybody else, I know what kind of uncoordinated creature I'm dealing with. Yeah, have you ever seen a basketball player in an MMA fight? Because that's what we're doing. Yeah, we're not John, playing basketball. John Bones Jones we're, probably is great at basketball. We're fighting to the death, all right? It's not a <clears throat> basketball game. Okay, good. You're in trouble then. Good. Well, good. Oh, good. I'll just okay. jump to another dimension if you kill me. <laughs> you would, because your fucking crazy ass idea thinks you could. You think you could just jump into another dimension. <laughs> yeah, and I, and that's my belief. And if you don't think I'm right, then you must well, think that you're right. Here's so maybe the truth. You're, maybe you're stuck in your mind. Your here's own mind. the truth: is that I'm not actually human. I'm an unidentified organism that just specializes in whooping ass. All you're, right. You're an alien that specializes in imitating someone who might whoop ass on Earth. Yeah, you better hope that's true. All right, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, You've wasted enough this. of our time. Yeah, you wasted all my you time. You have single-handedly ruined another podcast. This one was ruined by you. Yeah, you ruined it. And I you're going to pay the consequences for it. You will pay the consequences. Well, before we sign off this blood oath, hail to your mother. Hail to your mother as well. All right. And thank you, everybody, for listening. 12 Monkeys next week. I'm glad we could honor my father with this great, <laughs> <laughs> this great shit show. Here. Hey, don't worry. It's only 11 Monkeys. You already met the other one today. It's this motherfucker. Oh, you fucking asshole. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Or I'm sorry that you listened. <laughs> and we will see you next week. <laughs> next week, we will see you. Bye-bye, y'all. Oh, God. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> that was the greatest ending. That was the greatest ending of a podcast we've had yet. Everyone loves movies from Webster to Morocco. Who needs rotten tomatoes when you've got the rancid tacos? This podcast is brought to you by West Virginia Pepperoni Rolls. Are you inserting the break there? You could have just said yeah. something normal. That's a break. Yeah, that's a break. That's a break spot. Need, it is a break spot. We needed a break. I was like, oh, we'll just rush right through this. And then we spend 15 minutes threatening to fight each other. <laughs> that's gonna be hilarious though. Yeah, it probably will be good. That's gonna that's a good hook. That's gonna draw them in. There's something going on outside my house right now though. This car just pulled up and it's got its flashers on i probably should go check on them they're like sitting here in front of the house this sounds like the beginning of a horror flick i don't know if i want to be a part of this
Well, there's another car here now, so there's two of oh, them. But keep but what, keep me on the line so I can hear everything. What would really suck is if they need my help and I'm like, ah, actually, guys, I'm doing a podcast right now. It's like, because <laughs> there any way oh, you can just man. scoot down the road 15, 20 feet and kind of get out of my line of sight? Are they making noise? There's they're blocked. They got both sides blocked, and now they got their like cell phones out. It looks like maybe they're changing a tire. Hmm. And when they got their flashes on. Oh, let me go. Let me go check them out, man. It might be. Yeah, do it real quick. Don't take too long, though. I'll try not to take too long. Tell them. Tell them exactly what you said. You shouldn't tell them. Uh, yeah, I'm doing a podcast. I need y'all <laughs> like, to get going. Are you guys okay? I'm doing a podcast in my car, and uh, I don't have time to talk to you. I need you to get out of the road and stop distracting me. I was yeah. just about to like bury you. We were, it was right when we were in the middle of fighting or about to fight, and these guys pulled up and ruined it. Ah, you were never going to bury me. Stop making excuses. I probably let you get a good point in that you never would have got under normal circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me go check on these fucks. All right. I will send you a new link here in a minute. Don't cut. You should leave me on the line just in case they're killers. Uh, all right. Or aliens. Well, okay. Well, I don't want to leave you on the line because then they'll be like, what are you doing right now? Who are you talking to? Just it... leave one headphone in. Oh, okay. I'll just pretend yeah. like you're not on the line at all. Yeah, and put your phone in your pocket or whatever. All right. Here I go then. If you get murdered, I'm going to have to call the cops. If I what? If you get murdered, I'm going to have to call the cops. Well, I think the guys might be the cops, the second guys that are here. All right, I'm going to talk to them. All right. Hey, Yeah, if you need, 
You there? You there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I couldn't you, hear you before. You have to put that in at the end of the podcast as like an extra track. What, all that talking to these guys? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why? It's just hilarious. Because you start out, you're like, yeah, you're talking to me. It's just you being like a friendly neighbor, but then you start pimping the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we did Batman and everything. <laughs> I was chuckling. Well, I mean, it'd be cool if they listened to it, you know? Yeah, so you should put that, you should definitely cut that in at the end of the episode after, like, the, after uh, Liam's pepperoni roll thing. You know how, like, old school, old school tracks used to leave a couple seconds and then they'd start doing, like, a secret track at the end? Yeah, do a secret track of me yeah. helping these weird people. Yeah, you <laughs> they were all a bunch of, like, people my age, too. Or maybe even younger. The guy was giving me knuckle bumps, and he was like, "You cool with Batman, man?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm cool with Batman." <laughs> yeah, no, it sounded like you guys were getting along fine. Yeah, they were all right. Yeah, God bless West Virginia. I miss that kind of roadside uh, yeah. friendliness. Yeah, they got moving too. They got down the road, so they got right. flat tire. Well, I guess you heard the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's weird. Mm-hmm.